The Truth News Network. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. Well, you can. But why would you want to? Dan Newman. Where does that opening continue to come back and back and back? (laughs) Hello, everybody. I beg your forgiveness one more time, and we can thank the problem with my getting here on time today to traffic, heavy afternoon traffic in downtown Jerusalem, Israel. And I must say, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you right now. It's an amazing day, I will tell you that much. And I was okay with the exception of getting here 15 minutes late. I was okay with the bus ride. One of the things I'm going to tell you is exactly where I was about 30 minutes before we went live today. Yeah. It was an amazing... It was an amazing experience, and um, I, I, I just, I'm trying to think of a, of a short way, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to do it in a short way, so anyway, just shut up, Dan, and I thought this was kind of an applicable song to give you at the top of the show. First of all, let me tell you, don't you dare go anywhere. This is a hot show. Don't forget, it's Tuesday. What does that mean? Stevie Baker will be with us in our second hour, and he's loaded for bear. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't step over me there. He's loaded for bear. You're going to like the show. I promise you. It won't just be me. It'll be Steve Baker. He brings so much more to the table when he's on with us every Tuesday. So sit back, and I can tell you this, after my 10 days in Israel, I can honestly agree with what Chicago said when they did this song. Nothing's going to stop us now.
Have you ever felt that way? That's a great place to be. You're talking about somebody that you really care about. Now, let me just say this. I told you, and and again, for those of you that may have just joined us, I apologize for the 15 minutes late. It was because of traffic in downtown Jerusalem, Israel, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, which is what it is now. It's been, it, it just happens to work out. It's eight hours, eight hours before the normal showtime in the U.S. Of course, that means we've had a full day here. 30 minutes before you heard my first words, I was in the room. I was in the room where they beat Jesus before he was crucified. In the room at the Temple Mount. I was at the Temple Mount all day long. For those of you who are Christians, and even if you're not Christians, there are millions of people that make this pilgrimage to Israel. You know why? It doesn't matter if it's Christian, Jew, Hindu. They all, every religion looks at Jerusalem as the centermost holiest part of their religion because all of all of those, they don't even realize it, those religions, but they circle around Jesus. They may call him different names, but it's a, it's a mainstay. So what am I telling you? There are so many archaeological sites that we saw today. I can't even explain them, and I won't take up your time trying. But I came with a group of wonderful people. We have the best guide. He's known as being the best guide in all of Jerusalem. And we haven't just been in Jerusalem. We've been up north. Saw some amazing sites there. I think I told you uh, yesterday, maybe Friday. I don't know. I can't remember. But I sat in a fishing boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And for those of you that are Christians, you'll remember the story. You remember... After he was put in the tomb and he ascended to heaven, he came back and spent a few days with people. So the Sea of Galilee, that, that really is a misnomer. It's not really a sea, it's, it's a lake, and it's not really a monster lake. But nevertheless, we call it the Sea of Galilee, but it's not really big. And his followers, they're fishermen. And they're out and doing what fishermen do. They're fishing. And so John, the beloved, was on the boat. And he looked over in the distance. And he saw a fire burning. And a man sitting there at first and then standing there looking at them. And he said, I know him. Let's get back to the shore. And when they got to the shore, they walked over there and guess what he did? He fixed food for them, fed his guys, and they had a long talk. I was in that exact spot. Oh my gosh. I could, I could spend the whole night talking about it and I'm not going to go there, but I'll tell you this. It has been an amazing experience, a life-changing experience. And there were thousands of people, th- probably more than a thousand of people that were in the same area. It's a once in a lifetime thing. I encourage you to do it. So what happened today? No, I haven't just been out looking at sites today. I've done a lot of homework for you. 
I have. We've got a lot of good information to tell you about, and some that's not so pretty. But one good thing is there was a surprise surge in core durable goods orders. Now, what does that mean? If you're in the United States, you know you watch what corporations are doing. they got to order those durable goods. And included in those are things like cars, hmm, computers, durable goods. People are buying them. Orders for core capital goods rose almost 1% in January. Shipments jumped 1.1%. That's a really good thing. And we like to get good, good news when we're out there trying to find a (laughs) really good news. Wanted to tell you about that. I I mentioned it yesterday because the numbers came out early in the morning, pretty much before you guys were up. And then I want to launch to something. I haven't talked about our buddies in East Palestine. You know, those crazy people that came there early and said, we tested the water, we tested the air, everything's okay. Absolutely all lies. It's not okay. And they're finding out every day how bad it really is. They're even calling what's happening there to a lot of people chemical bronchitis. Local healthcare workers have seen an influx of people from the East Palestine area that are complaining they don't feel well. Quick med, you have them everywhere. Workers told the outlet they're seeing patients report similar systems, symptoms like feeling a burning sensation when they breathe, rashes, general feelings of weakness. Some of the residents have even said they have begun to feel better when they leave town for a while, only to feel bad once again when they get home. This could be a lot of things. But if you're leaving your house, one man said, and symptoms improve and you go back and it comes back, I'm not thinking that's allergies or not thinking it's a cold. I think it's related to that stuff you're inhaling there. And he added that the burning sensation when breathing could be a form of chemical bronchitis. Let's face it. It comes down to it. It might be something in the future It comes about from all these chemicals they're breathing that we don't even know about. So it's important that they document all their symptoms. Meanwhile, cleanup efforts efforts continue from the train derailment, which the Ohio Department of Natural Resources estimates kill more than 43,000 fish and other aquatic animals, not to mention all the chickens and the foxes, which were the first ones to be reported to die from it. On February 3rd, that is when that train that was operated by Norfolk Southern derailed. Think about that. Today's the 28th. The 28th. It's been almost a month. Cleanup crews, if you remember, they ignited five train cars to get rid of the toxic chemicals in a controlled environment, which I'm not a scientist, but I don't think I don't think that was the right thing to do. And I think that's what's causing a lot of this. And it's in the air. And apparently it's in the water. So we'll be in, we have been and will continue to be in prayer for those people up in East Palestine. Meanwhile, have you heard about what's going on in our Pacific Northwest? I've I've been to Idaho several times. I've been to Oregon 
a few more times. Those are border states. They're right together. Well, there's a movement in Idaho to absorb some conservative rural counties from liberal Oregon. And that move is getting very speedy towards getting it done. A campaign to have rural Eastern Oregon effectively secede from their state. If you didn't know it, Oregon's a very blue state. And join more conservative Idaho. And it's gaining steam as leaders from both states express support for relocating the border between them. I don't think in my lifetime I've ever seen anything like this happen. Former Oregon House Speaker Mark Simmons penned an op-ed in the Idaho Statesman back over the weekend to explain why he supports this so-called Greater Idaho Movement, which seeks to incorporate it about 13 Oregon counties, or about 63% of the state's landmass, but only 9% of its population. Idaho would have the satisfaction of freeing rural conservative communities from progressive blue state laws. This is Simmons writing. We're dismayed by the manner in which Oregon government has marginalized our values and villainized our resource-based livelihoods. This is why our counties voted 75% Republican last year. Idaho voted 67% Republican. Simmons described how Oregon stores are selling drugs near Idaho communities and hurting the quality of life in the area, explaining that moving the state line would force drug shops away from most of Idaho's population and help Eastern Oregonians. These counties would help maintain rural values in the Idaho legislature, values of faith, family, and self-reliance, he said. All of Eastern Oregon voted against marijuana legalization and the decriminalization of hard drugs. He wrote that it was an op-ed, an opinion ed piece when he, uh, when he penned it. It came after Idaho's House of Representatives early this month. They passed a resolution not to move the Idaho-Oregon border, but rather to call for formal talks between each state's legislatures about relocating the boundary line. It's unclear if the bill's going to pass the Idaho Senate, but the chamber is, like the state's house, dominated by Republicans. So it's interesting. We'll keep our eyes on that. Uh, Politically, I don't have a clue what that's going to look like on a national basis, but I got to think. I got to think it's going to make Idaho a much more, even harder Republican state. Now, this preferred pronoun, and I'm going to I'm going to call it something conservative. This preferred pronoun, crap, <laughs> and I'm not laughing at it. What I'm saying is, it, it, it's so ridiculous, it, it, it is funny how somebody could legitimize not just taking on the identity or the sexual identity of somebody they're not because you can't change your, your, uh, your sex. No matter how you, there's not enough surgery, there are not enough transition drugs to make it happen, 
doctor we had on our show at the very beginning of this mess. She actually almost lost her job for coming on this show and saying this, but she said, thinking they're changing their sex is foolery. There's only one thing, she said, that changes sex. Our sex is determined by that one thing, our chromosomes, and you can't change your chromosomes. A Freedom of Information Act request that was submitted by Parents Defending Education in Wichita Public Schools found that instructors and teachers have been keeping signs of gender dysphoria secret from the parents and ignoring the wishes of parents regarding their child's gender identity. Here's what they say. To not use the preferred pronouns and or names can equate to discrimination. To allow a parent's wishes to not use the student's preferred pronouns and or names is to allow yourself to be deputized to discriminate, and this is not acceptable. Are the guardians of the student aware and supportive of their child's gender transition the district's gender support plan for student asked, who will be the student's go-to adult at school? So they've even trained their teaching. It's titled LGBTQ plus students, pronouns, and more. And in it, it says that schools are hostile places for LGBTQ plus students and that not using a preferred pronoun or name they choose to go by to affirm their gender identity may lead to depression and even suicide. If family doesn't support them, LGBTQ plus students are eight to 10 times more likely to die by suicide than are other teens. I don't know if that's factual, but that's what they're saying. The lack of using pronouns could lead to death. We are here to support and educate students not to judge them or push them over the proverbial edge. Wichita Public Schools estimated more than 340 staff members who identify as LGBTQ+, including an estimated over one to under 100 who ended up identify as transgender. In other words, think about that. There are 340 who identify as being LGBTQ+, and 100 of them, identify as transgender, so that's about a third of those people. And this presentation they're giving to students also estimates 350-plus students that identify as transgender. Just pointing these outs for you to keep up with what's actually happening in our schools. Now, you probably didn't hear about what I'm going to tell you happened. Black History Month. In speeches on Black History Month, President Biden and Vice President Harris, they talked all the places that they were asked to speak. They talked about equity as being part of American history. They both delivered remarks at a February 27th Black History Month reception 
and they're trying to position themselves as defenders of American history and national furor over critical race theory. Here's what the VP said. Let us all be clear. We will not as a nation build a better future for America by trying to erase America's past. This month and all year round, we must recognize the full arc of our nation's history. And she wasn't through. She said a few other things. And then the president stepped to the microphone. Here's a quote from your president. I can't just choose to learn what we want to know. We learn what we should know. We have to learn everything, the good, the bad, the truth. That's the president. So this little speech they gave came as Americans of every color trade views over history and the current relevance of race in the country. One insider report released exclusively revealed that the University of Florida has hidden the scope of its programs on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which that consumes. It encompasses critical race theory. Florida Governor DeSantis took on actions to limit critical race theory teaching in classrooms, citing its discriminatory classroom instruction through moves that include the April 2022 Stop Woke Act. He hosted Governor DeSantis his very own Black History Month reception just days ago. If you remember late 2020, Donald Trump signed an executive order targeting race-based ideology and workplace diversity trainings. He reversed that executive order, did this president, the day, first day, he entered the White House. Meanwhile, Hollywood actor Brian Cranston said in a February 26 CNN interview that critical race theory is imperative for the classroom. And we're not going to go into the, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly about critical race theory. But let me just tell you, I want you to consider for a moment the difference. What's the difference between equality and equity? If you haven't listened to the show before, you may not know this. But think about it for just a second. First of all, the Constitution, actually the Declaration of Independence, guarantees that everybody who's here, everybody is going to have true equality. Equality. So what is equality? Equality means anything you want to do, anything you want to try, anything you want to be, you've got personally on the right, the Constitution gives it to you. Our nation gives it to you. And what that means is you have the ability to go for it. It's given to you. Okay, Dan, what does that mean? Well, it means you're you're not going to be guaranteed that you're going to get it, but you're going to have the ability, the constitutional right within the rule of law to go after it and get it. And you'll be applauded if and when you get it done. So what's the other word, the equity word. What does that mean? What's the difference? 
the reason the left, the reason the socialist, socialist Americans in our government, the reason they want equity to be taught as better than equality is for this one reason. Equity means that everybody is going to get straight A's. It means that everybody is going to get 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 dollars a month. You're going to get a, a year. You're going to get exactly what everybody else gets. You're going to live in the same kind of house, in the same kind of subdivision. You're going to drive the same kind of electric vehicle. And somebody out there is going to de- determine what is fair and what is not, what is equitable and what is not. So I'm from the South. I live in the South. So what, what does that mean? That means that Bubba that sits on his can all day and doesn't do squat because he's an American, that's all it takes. So if his neighbor on the other side of town lives in a $100,000 house, well, guess what? Bubba's going to live in a $100,000 house. That's exactly what these socialists are teaching our children today. Equity. And that's what is being preached, has been being preached for a long time, but has been focused on during Black History Month. They're putting it in the history books when it's not in the history books. It's not part of the American history. They're trying to change reality. Think about that. So I don't know, folks. Every day, every single day, something new comes out, something horrible comes out. But nothing changes. None of this changes. And that part is driving me crazy. Now, you heard my little segment about uh, Brian Cranston, the actor. Dave Rubin, one of my favorites. Now listen, you hear Dave Rubin on here quite a bit. He's a a really strong, hard, hard, far-right conservative. But I got to tell you this, full disclosure, he's gay. He's married, and he and his partner have adopted kids, whatever your opinion is. But here's the thing, folks. The Bible teaches us that from the heart, the mouth speaketh. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Here's Dave Rubin, and he gets into a conversation about Cranston, but more about racism. They racialize everything. That's what they've got to do. So there was a clip this weekend, again, from CNN of actor Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, he was uh, he was the dentist in Seinfeld. What else was he in? He was in Breaking Bad. That's the big one, right? And then he was in Malcolm in the Middle or something. He wasn't he the dad in Malcolm in the Middle. Anyway, he's an actor. And one of the things you need to know about actors is they don't really do anything. They do something called acting. They pretend to do things. And then some of them are quite good at it. So you think they're doing the thing. But really what they are are just sort of adult-aged children pretending to be on a spaceship or pretending to be 
on an island or pretending to sell meth, but they don't really do those things. I, I would imagine some of them sell meth. Anyway, here he is talking to Chris Wallace on CNN about MAGA and racism. And you know, black people shouldn't be happy in this country because it's terrible. How did we get to a point where we treated other human beings as slaves and, and we're okay with that? When I, when I see the, the Make America Great Again, my comment is, do you, do, you, do you accept that that could possibly be construed as a racist remark? And most people, a lot of people go, how could that be racist? Make America great again? I said, so just ask yourself from, from an African-American experience, when was it ever great in America for the African-American? When was it great? So if you're making it great again, it's not including them. So it's, it's to teach us in the woke world to open up and, and accept the possibilities that our privilege has created blind spots for us. And maybe I haven't seen what is really happening yet in all my years. Oh, Brian Cranston in the woke world, you pathetic pandering buffoon. First off, America is the least racist nation in the history of the world. That is why black people, white people, Asian people, and all sorts of other people still wanna come here and still nobody leaves. Uh, America has been quite good to everyone despite historic injustices. You know, we did. We fought a civil war, literally brothers killing brothers, uncles killing nephews to end slavery. And that this clown, Brian Cranston, that he thinks he's so much better than George Washington, right? Because how could we get to this point when humans own slave, slaves? You know that slavery was the way of the world. And the United States in the last 200 plus years was the country that really ended it quicker than anybody else. That African nations were selling slaves to other Africans, black people selling slaves to black people. And there's still slavery in the modern world. See what's going on in parts of the Middle East and how they built that World Cup thing in Qatar. Um, but he, how could we do this? How could we do this? How, George, I, imagine he thinks he's better than George Washington. He literally thinks he's better than George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. You pandering woke world buffoon. If you really believe that, give up all your money. Give up all your money. Never take another acting gig, Brian Cranston. There is no gig that you're doing in acting that a black man can't do. Let me just say this. I read another story today. Actually, when I was trying, I was in the, the back seat on the bus. I was trying to get ready for something I may have missed on the show. Um, San Francisco has come up with their own style of reparations for black people. And you know that's been bandied around. It's been discussed for, I gosh, 20 years, 30 years. Once again, equity versus equality. No guarantee in the United States that anybody's going to get anything or guarantee anybody's going to give anything. So what do we have to do to make it work, to make people happy? We have to be equitable. So you have the state, I'm not talking about San Francisco, you have the state of California, and they came up with their own number. What's fair? And they suggested $231,000. That's enough in California to make most black people be put back on the road where 
A lot of white people are. One difference, those white people, whatever they have, and millions of black people too, by the way, have achieved by the sweat of their brow, just like white people. Now, don't get me wrong. Slavery was and is legal. It's where it's legal in history. It was the most devastating, the most tragic thing in world history. In all of humanity, the most evil thing somebody can do is own another human being. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying this. There's no way to come up with a real number even if you agree that reparations are necessary, are fair, and should be meted to people that were in slavery. You know all the questions that begin to be asked. How far up does it go? Multiracial people, does it include them? Do you divide them up based upon their family tree? I mean, think about going down that road is a freaking nightmare that can never be equal, which is promised in the Declaration of Independence and the tenets in the U.S. Constitution. Oh, the governor came up with a number of 231,000, but San Francisco, that's chicken feed. We're not going to treat our black people here in San Francisco like that. That's demeaning. We're going to give each of them $5 million. $5 million. Now, let me say this about African-American people. I can tell you, I have African-American people in my family. I have a nephew that's African-American. I'm not trying to say I'm the perfect white person. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is every person on the globe that is not African-American is not evil. And those that are on the other side, in fact, this whole thing in California, this equitable thing, it began by Black Lives Matter two years ago. They're the ones that started pushing for reparations in California first. So what is it all about? It's about taking from someone, somebody that worked for it, and giving it to somebody that probably hasn't worked for it, or some people have. But who are the arbiters of that? Who's going to decide what's fair for whoever? Oh, by the way, there are some of us that our relatives came over as bond servants. That was the term that was used for a white slave. And that's where my family came from on one side. So does that mean I'm eligible for reparations? As somebody famous that we all know and love said, come on, man. (laughs) Hey, guess who's joining us next live? Steve Baker. You're going to love the stuff he has to bring to you today. He's up next. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also, applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. 
Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. The world tells you to wait. That waiting is polite. And good things will just come. But if I waited to be invited in, I never would have stood out. If I waited for change to happen, I never would have made a difference. So make the first move. Don't wait to be told your place. Take it. Don't wait for people to find you. Find them. In work. In love. In life. And most of all, don't wait to be given power. Because here's what they won't tell you. We already have it. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink. And the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? got steve baker on the phone now now he couldn't hear what just played that last little musical bit and uh it's just a bunch of horns that are playing a really nice little i don't i don't even it was a, a turnabout like uh uh just uh something m- musicians sit around and play are you there steve i'm here good morning Dan. so it was a bunch of trumpets you wouldn't know this but that was free ride by chicago and it wasn't even a song. Uh-huh. So enough said about music because I've got the <laughs> consummate musician on the planet, at least on this show, <laughs> Steve Baker. Hey, buddy, welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> the, the consummate musician on this line to Dan right now, That's a, that, that should be the, uh, the qualifier. <laughs> it doesn't extend much beyond that. Well, you, wanna, you want me to take it back? Oh, well, no, no, no. Let's let's leave let's leave it hanging out there for everyone. Okay, so everybody will understand. Steve, are you in North Carolina or DC? I am in North Carolina right now. Uh, looks like that I will be in DC probably tomorrow, and then uh, this could be an extended trip. Not exactly sure for how long this time, but there's a lot of new things happening that. We're pretty excited about. I was on the phone with uh, a group up there this morning, and they have uh, yet to get their hands on this. I think we may have talked about it last week, but I, I can make this public now because Politico blew the um, uh, the cover off of this story. But the January 6th uh, House Select Committee, the old committee under the, the, the previous government, was – uh, of course, responsible for these you know, thousands of interviews that they did, uh, thousands of hours of interviews at least. And 
most of that record of those interviews we understood was placed into the National Archives and then put with either a 20 to 50 year seal on it, just kind of like the, you know, the, um, the investigation of JFK's assassination, uh, where it was socked away for 50 years. And then as we saw when, you know, when we reached the 50th anniversary, they, they wanted to extend that to 75 years. Well, this is the same thing that happened with so much of the investigative work that the house select committee did was, uh, once the government turned over, then all of that information went into the national archives and it's inaccessible to the public, except Dan, they left behind 100 boxes full of files, 100 boxes of files that are not under the um, authority of the National Archives. They're actually held by the new um, House Administrative Committee, and they are trying to determine what to do with that right now. And I just happen to be working with the team that just may get our grubby little hands on that hundred boxes of files. And I'm very, very excited about that. Well, in, uh, in full clarity for everybody, uh, because Steve's in North Carolina and I'm sitting in Jerusalem, Israel, um, you know, signals, those satellite things, they go faster out of Jerusalem than they do out of North Carolina. People there are a little slower than people here because I'm here, and so you're slow, and I'm fa- I'm joking, but there is about a two-second delay. And so we talked earlier today, and I made sure he knew when he finishes a point, he needs to stop talking <laughs> so we don't jump over, over each other. I, I thought I would just tell you that. Well, Steve, are you saying that Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, who what he did already was to release all that video, all that video. Steve will tell you the numbers in just a second. I don't know, but Steve is part of those videos. He is a unbelievable photojournalist, and his videos from the January 6th debacle all day long have been seen on television stations around the world. In fact, that's what got him in Dutch with the FBI. But Kevin McCarthy released those to Fox News Um, Tucker Carlson, not just Fox News, exclusively to give to the American people. So, Steve, what you're saying is Kevin McCarthy has the right to release all those boxes of classified information. That's correct. He does have the right. I don't even think that it's uh, actually under his purview directly. It's actually in the hands of the committee and then one of their subcommittees is actually now taking a look at this. Uh, It's it's a daunting uh, task, as you can imagine, with a hundred file boxes full. Uh, There's, you know, just tens of thousands of pages. All of those have to be digitized. They have to be cataloged, inventoried in some manner that makes sense. So those individuals who need their hands on them like investigative investigative journalists like myself, uh, as well as legal teams working for January 6th defendants who are, uh, quite frankly, they're they're foaming at the mouth or salivating over this right now because they have even, as of yesterday, started the process of filing for continuances and actual stay orders for some of their clients because of this um, 
treasure trove of new and unseen data that has come out, both the uh, 44,000 hours worth of video that Tucker Carlson has now been given uh, access to, as well as this new hundred boxes of files from the January 6th uh, investigation, the committee's own interviews and investigations that they were doing last year. And so with this treasure trove, some of the, the defense attorneys are saying, we need to hit the pause button on here. And they're, they're screaming bloody murder at the Department of Justice saying, stop, we have to put a hold on this whole process. And you would think, okay, wait a minute, what, 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 what about you know a, a swift and speedy trial guarantee? Yes, that, that's true. We want that for uh, American citizens and we want the constitution to be honored in that manner. But when defendants have to go to trial without the ability to have access to the exculpatory evidence that may be sitting in those boxes or sitting in that 44,000 uh, uh, hours worth of video, then it actually is much more beneficial for them at that time to hit the pause button, but they have to get permission, obviously, from the judges uh, in order to do that. And so the filings have begun. And one of the attorneys that I work closest with, he, he made the first filing yesterday based on the fact that, well, frankly, the fact that I told him before it was public knowledge that this hundred uh, boxes existed. So he started his draft and then when it was released and made public at the end of last week, he made the filing uh, yesterday. So what that means in the justice, criminal justice world, is every one of these people that have been held in prison and the ones that have already been sentenced, even the ones that had to plea down to something and they're, whole reputations are ruined forever because they're in that database. Even though they pled down, they still pled guilty. That's the thing. Let me just say this. Anytime you get in Dutch with any department of the government, and if it ends up in any kind of criminal deal, and not just criminal, it could be civil. To cut a deal with the federal government on any of this, it always requires a guilty plea to get out of doing something. Otherwise, they'll just let it go to the judge. And I hate to say this, but a lot of the judges, especially around Washington, D.C. and the rest of the Potomac River Valley, they're in the tank for leftists, so they're going to do what the DOJ says to do. So every one of these people that we're talking about, if I'm getting it right, Steve, they have the possibility and now the probability of whatever happened in the way of plea deals, uh, guilty, or sentenced even, that's going to go back up in the air because there's more evidence out there that was kept from them and their attorneys. Is that right? That That's exactly correct because in those particular cases where individuals have either accepted plea deals or they've been found guilty in bench trials or jury trials, if there is evidence that is found in these um, uh, these boxes or in this treasure trove of video that Tucker now has access to, if that takes place and something big happens, then the attorneys are going to be running forward with thousands of, of motions filed uh, to either um, uh, have mistrials declared to have, um, uh, well, more, more than likely they're going to ask for retrials is what's going to happen. And uh, I think uh, I think a mistrial has to happen during the event itself. So these would be a request for um, another trial. 
and this is this is starting basically the entire process over again if in fact that kind of information that kind of evidence is discovered in this this treasure trove but i will tell you also and and i, I know some of your listeners don't don't want to hear us talk about january 6th every single week but it continues to be a big thing because right now we're at that point here just over 2 years later where evidence is now pouring forth. It takes that long sometimes. And I know people think that the government deliberately holds things back. And in this case, they, they really are. But sometimes it just, the, the wheels of uh, the judiciary just grind slowly. And let's be perfectly honest, when January 6th happened, we were in the middle of that pandemic thing. We were in the middle of lockdowns, uh, particularly in Washington, DC, where all of these cases are having to be adjudicated. They were under much more severe lockdowns, lockdowns in most of the country, including the courthouses. So uh, with the short staffing, with people in administrative leave working from home, they're having to do hearings on Zoom calls and, uh, you know, Zoom video calls, that sort of thing. It was just a long, long, long process to finally get those gears uh, working in D.C., even in the, the big, you know, uh, machine that D.C. is. It just took that long. But now that it's rolling, we're seeing more and more and more video every day, not even talking about the video that uh, Tucker has. We're talking about the release of new body cam videos from the Metropolitan the Police Department that are absolutely stunning, uh, Dan. They're, they're, we're now seeing videos of Metropolitan Police officers who are not, not exaggerated that when I say this, they're waving people and encouraging the crowd to go into the Capitol. Uh, these are undercover Metropolitan Police Department <laughs> uh, law enforcement officers. They're waving people into the Capitol. Well, if you happen to be one of those people that have been convicted or have been, uh, you you took a plea deal, you've had your reputation destroyed, you lost your job, and then you happen to be one of those people standing close to one of those Metropolitan Police uh, undercover agents who waved you into the Capitol. You don't think that you, you don't have a right to go back to that court and scream bloody murder and say, Hey, uh, your honor, I want a retrial. And that's exactly what's going to start happening as a result of all these videos that are coming out. And that's exactly what should happen in the first place. None of it should have been required, but for whatever reason or reasons, all the truth hasn't been put out there. And so here we stand in the middle of two election years, 2020 and 2022, and then 2024. It's actually the next big one. And everything's not out in the open. And so all of the, um, the new titles that many people that don't believe the election was fair in 2022, you're called an election denier. And there are people, really good people in the United States Congress on both sides that believe the election wasn't fair. But because of what happens, if you come out and talk about something that's not part of the woke crowd's mantra, you're immediately labeled and they can't bear to be a politician because they're going to run for re-election. They, want their con- they don't, certainly don't want their constituents thinking that they're promoting or believing something that absolutely didn't happen. Well, this is the same kind of thing. People's lives have been changed permanently. 
There are people that have died over the January 6th stuff, people that were innocent of anything, but what our federal government, the Department of Justice, put them through, it's not based on all the facts. We know that. And maybe, just maybe now, Steve, we're going to get all the facts and these people will get what's called due process. What a novel idea. You you absolutely get to go in front of a judge and present all the evidence, esculpatory, everything, and you can show, yeah, I was innocent. And here's the evidence to prove it that they have not had. How much, just guessing, just based upon you were there, you've talked to hundreds if not thousands of people subsequent to that day. What do you think the percentage of people that were plea deal? or they were convicted of whatever charges they were convicted of, a percentage of those that you think might get off, totally off, when the stuff from these uh, hidden boxes comes out? Well, I'm, I'm hesitant to even go into trying to figure out what a percentage of these individuals might be. There was one case, and in fact, there has only been one case so far where an individual on a bench trial was actually found innocent or exonerated by the the judge in the bench trial because the judge said that he believed that this particular defendant reasonably concluded that he was not entering a restricted space by the time he walked into the Capitol. And that's the only one that's happened so far. All the others have either pled out or been convicted for this um, glorified trespassing charge, as I usually call it. And I am speaking specifically of the misdemeanor defendants right now, not those who did violence or or breaking in or or anything uh, more severe than that. But the point being is, is that these new videos in particular, and, and, and Lord only knows what's in those boxes yet until we have a chance to crack them open and look. But these videos that are coming out in particular should, in fact, uh, give quite a high percentage of those individuals who were declaring all along their innocence based on the fact that, A, there were no barricades on the outer perimeter of the Capitol when they arrived because they had been removed by uh, provocateurs, you know, either 10 minutes, 20 minutes or 45 minutes before they ever arrived from the ellipse or the Washington Monument lawn and got to the Capitol lawn. And then by the time they got up into where the people were all gathered up and pressed up against the building itself, at some point, and you and I have talked about this before, you can be 20 feet from any position at that Capitol where any violence was happening at all and have no idea that violence was actually taking place. Uh, so dense was the crowd, so loud was the noise, and also because of the angles um, uh, of of lines of sight, you can't see what's happening. And so there were there were hundreds upon hundreds of hundred, maybe even as many, I would say, Dan, as uh, twelve hundred to fifteen hundred people that walked through that Capitol building that day. Who, first of all, many of those never even saw any violence. All they saw was a a stream of people walking inside the Capitol and they just got in line. And then you have another large percentage of them who may have seen things happening like myself, because I did, I was there filming the violence right on the front line of where it was taking place. So I saw it, but um, 
by the time I walked through the door, again, the police had been told to stand down. We now have evidence and absolute proof from the audio, the, the radio transmissions by the Capitol Police that there was a, a pullback stand-down order that took place. And when that happened, uh, people started going into the Capitol. And I think it's reasonable to conclude that the Department of Justice is going to have to take a step back now. They're going to have to look at these videos of not just uh, unnamed unidentified conspirators or unidentified um, agents provocateur or any of those types of, you know, conspiratorial type sounding words. But the reality is now we have identified actual law enforcement agents undercover waving people into the Capitol. And if that doesn't give the entire nation pause, let me, let me tell you a quick story here, Dan. Uh, as you can imagine, and we've heard these stories, people all over the, the country, this has happened to thousands of people, not just the, 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 the 1,000 who have faced criminal charges related to January 6th so far, but thousands of people across the country have lost relationship with family, friends, their jobs, uh, all, all manner of relationships and reputation in their communities just for being in Washington, D.C., uh, on January 6, 2021, I received a phone call yesterday from somebody who I had not heard of, uh, heard from myself in over two years. And he specifically called me. He's somebody that I am familiar with and have worked very closely with in the music business. And he specifically called me to let me know that the reason why he withdrew from my relationship was because I was at the Capitol that day. Not because I did anything wrong, not because I was charged with anything, because I haven't been, uh, but just because I was in that city that day, he felt like, and he said the words, he felt like that I was an insurrectionist. But he called yesterday after over two years and wanted to let me know that he was wrong and that uh, he would like to break bread with me again someday. So maybe these things are leaking into the, the the culture smog out there and they're, they're breaking through like these new uh, release of uh, these exculpatory type videos are, are starting to uh, influence the population at large. And that's what needs to happen. We need a healing. And, and if any, if, if ever there was a moment in this country where a healing is needed, it's needed because half of the country believes that the other half of the country right now are domestic terrorists, particularly if you were one of the hundred, several hundred thousand people that were in D.C. that day. And that's just not the case. There were only, uh, by the Department of Justice's own numbers, only 225 people that they've ever been able to count on video who actually did any violence that day. That's 225, Dan, out of my own estimate, 400 to 600,000 people. That's a pretty small percentage for the, that entire uh, crowd, that entire movement to be painted as domestic terrorists. And so few a number actually did the bad deeds. Well, we're going to go to our second uh, segment in just a few minutes, but I want to say this on the way out insurrectionist there was a planned insurrection we know there was the fbi got all kinds of information weeks ahead of time but just guess how many of those insurrectionists were there were armed to the teeth you wouldn't think that you could overthrow a government without having a bunch of guns did you anyway that's just one thing 
in our second segment with Steve, um, I don't know if he was even listening when the show began because it was a little bit late, and I, I know he's one of those people that gets mad when things don't happen on his timetable. But anyway, we talked about a segment regarding equity compared to equality. I didn't go over this with mm. him, so I'm going to let him be extemporaneous when we get back after this break. Steve Baker with us live from North Carolina, and you're here. And that's the best part of this. Back in two minutes at TNN Live. People think unusual circumstances means complicated taxes. But for a TurboTax Live expert like me, it just makes things interesting. So, give us everything you've got. What if I'm a professional gamer with a ton of expenses? If they help drive views, let's talk deductions. What if I'm in a state with no income tax, but my survival videos are viewed in 38 countries? I can help. And if this is a business dinner, save those jerky receipts. An interesting life can mean an even greater refund. You do your thing. We've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. So here I sit in Israel, Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. I'm in the finest hotel in town. They put us here. And uh, our broadcast studio room, it's in an inner room. In other words, it's not, not on the side of the aisle where you have outside windows. That's really important because just moments ago, the electricity in the entire five-star hotel, with the exception of the TNN Live Studios, went dark. I am in the dark, but thankfully we have backup juice <laughs> for all of our equipment for this show. So, uh, I couldn't get out of here if I wanted to. The room key doesn't work without electricity. Elevators don't. And I'm not going to walk down the stairs. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, Steve, you and I haven't talked about this equity equality thing. I don't believe we have, have we? No, I don't think we have ever. Well, 
I, I just wanted to throw this on you, and I know you're all up in what it is and what it's all about, and I just want your honest opinion. It came to light today because our president and vice president, both of them, were in the public eye yesterday talking about Black History Month. And I want to give you some verbiage that came first from the vice president and then our president, and I want to get your thoughts. This is Vice President Harris. Let us all be clear. We will not as a nation build a better future for America by trying to erase America's past. This month and all year round, we must recognize the full arc of our nation's history. I can't just choose to learn what we want to know. We learn what we should know. We have to learn everything, the good, the bad, the truth. That was from President Biden. I can't just choose to learn what we want to know. We learn what we should know. We have to learn everything, the good, the bad, and the truth. So these comments from them came as Americans of all colors trade views over history and the current relevance, for that matter, of race in the country. Um, It's everywhere. And so the whole concept they were preaching here was not about equality, which was first mentioned in the Declaration of Independence, and then it was enshrined in the original U.S. Constitution and the subsequent uh, amendments that happened through decades and centuries even. And so equity versus equality. Now, again, I don't know if you heard the first segment of the show and what I said about it. I wanted to get your virgin thoughts without being tainted by my thoughts and opinions on Mm -hmm. this horror show that's playing out across the nation about equity and putting equality in somebody's back pocket, not to be mentioned. Give us your thoughts. Well, first of all, uh, I'll I'll just state my basic understanding and philosophy related to the difference between equity and equality. The first part of that is, is that I believe that every single, just as, as is stated uh, in the declaration, that every single person has the right to the pursuit of, uh, you know, happiness. And that is the underlying undergirding concept of what equality should be. We should all have equal opportunity. The problem is on the other side in the other part of this word, because uh, they, they both come from the same root. When we're talking about equity, then we're talking about specific, not specifically the, um, the, the sameness of the, the pursuit of our happiness or the pursuit of whatever to, to have a level playing field there. We're talking about somebody now leveling artificially the playing field at the end of the pursuit so that we all have equal outcomes. And that's the danger because the only way that that happens, Dan, is at the point of a gun. If it requires force, then it is never a good idea. And if the American people could possibly understand that, they would understand the problem with equity versus equality. We want everyone to have the same opportunity. We want everyone to have the same access to justice, to um, the 
and it doesn't matter what the law is. See, and this is this is an interesting thing. Being a libertarian myself is that I want as few laws as possible. But if you're going to put a law in place, then that law must it, it must be applied to everyone equally. It has to be absolutely equal from the top to the bottom. Whether that law, whether I, for instance, I, I, this is one that is always in my craw. You know, there's one federal building in this country where you can still smoke a cigar inside the federal building, and that's <laughs> Capitol Hill. If you you can smoke a cigar in your office, in your office in Capitol Hill, but they pass a law in that same building that prevents anybody from having or using any tobacco product anywhere near a federal building anywhere else in the country. They exempt themselves from the law. See, that's not equality. And this is what I'm saying, no matter what the law is, and we can, we can live with some pretty oppressive laws as long as they are equally distributed across the entire spectrum of humanity. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're elite, whether you're nobody uh, by societal standards, it doesn't matter. We can, we can handle that. But what the problem is, is, is that now when we're no longer working from the same playing field and we don't have the same advantage, we don't have the same opportunity rather to – to, to um, exact that uh, pursuit of happiness uh, or pursuit of property or pursuit of wealth or pursuit of you know, career, pursuit of education. If we don't have the same, if we're not playing from the same playing field, then we have a problem because now what society has decided to do is they've decided to shift over to the concept of equity. So regardless of where you're starting from, regardless of what your advantages or your disadvantages are, whether the, the law is equally applied or not, it doesn't matter. We're going to ensure that you all get to the same place. Well, the only way that um, anybody who doesn't have the training, doesn't put in the work, doesn't put in the, the, the hundred hours a week for 10 years in order to break through and become a millionaire or whatever status that they're looking for, whatever they're trying to achieve, whatever they're trying to build, whatever they're trying to create, whatever they're trying to bring to the market. Those individuals who've never made that level of sacrifice, and you and I both know to, for any achievement of any uh, type in, on this planet, you must make sacrifice in order to make that achievement. But if we're going to grant everybody the same outcome as the person who puts in those years and those hours and that, that level of sacrifice, the same outcome, then somebody has to hold a gun to the head of those who did put in that effort and force them to redistribute that to those who didn't bother to put in that effort and give it to them. And that's the problem with equity is it requires force. Here's where we stand. I'm identifying as a black person who's a descendant of a slave this year. Where do I sign up? I mean, we're going to hear that. We're already hearing that all over the place. $5 million reparation in San Francisco. Let me tell you my opinion. Here's what I think we're really looking at. A sophisticated and a very well-financed plan to create more division between people of color and Caucasians. Why would that be what they want to do? Who would be so crazy to try to do that? Socialist. Somebody trying to sell the socialist, the pure socialism concept that has never been successful in any country. 
for any extended period of time for the same reasons that Steve just talked about. Division. As long as you can keep division in a group of people, somebody's got to be in charge. Democracy, pure democracy, does not work if you create a group of people that are considered to be unequal, but somebody's got to be in the room to point out what and how you make everybody equal. And that's what the socialists love, the socialist process. It really doesn't mean everybody has the same thing, and that's just the way it goes. Somebody's got to mete out what everybody should have. Those are the people, they're always sophisticated bureaucrats or whatever you want to call them, they're above the law, like he just mentioned. Uh, Steve is a cigar aficionado, as am I. Uh, They make laws that you and I have to live with that they don't have to live with. That's the first step down this road. But this equity versus equality thing, it can destroy the unity that has been created, created through a bunch of years. And by the way, Every person that was a slave, and then every person after that, and I mean black, white, Asian, it doesn't matter. Everybody is free in this country, has all of the rights that anybody has ever had. Yeah, it was a mistake. Our forefathers messed up. But here's the thing. They came from an environment where that was just normal. And they changed it. They made the hard choices and the hard decisions to walk away from that, walk away from that in shame. Looking back, they realized they were wrong. They messed up. And so where do we go from here? Well, Joe Biden promised us when he became president, here's what he said. And when he was campaigning, I don't want to be the president of Democrats. I don't want to be the president of Republicans. I don't want to be the president of independents. I want to be president of all Americans. Does it look like today to you he's being a president of unity? a president that operates under a plan of unification, pulling us together, he gets up and he'll give a speech and he'll say something in an interview about unity and, you know, we got to work together. We have to be one nation. That's what will make us successful. And then the next day he demeans, he calls people that are Trump supporters, those evil MAGA Republicans, that's not unity. Either President Biden doesn't get it or he gets it and he doesn't care. Either way, that's not what our nation is made of. It's not. And when we get back, Steve's got some final words. I've got a final thing or two I want to say to him. Don't go anywhere. Two minutes, folks. We'll be back in two minutes. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. 
What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. So you guys grew up together? Yes, yeah, since third grade. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What are you, model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener. But it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101. Only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. And Steve Baker. Two old white men, sir. <laughs> Two old white men. Boy. Well, during the break, I talked to Steve for a moment, and I said, look, I want you to close this segment of the show. I want to close with your thoughts on whatever's really important to you. So, Steve, the floor is yours. Well, Dan, I want to go a little bit further into this equity thing. And I I did hear your segment before I came on about uh, reparations. And I want to, you know, this is not a bomb necessarily. It's certainly not a bombshell. Uh, It's not going to change anybody's lives by what I'm about to say. But I will tell you that this entire idea of racial uh, reparations, reparations for slavery, maybe the single most evil idea that has yet come out of the bowels of uh, the, the leftists in this country, because this does, in fact, as I said in the previous segment, require a level of force used against uh, undeserving Americans that we've never seen before uh, in terms of, in, in the ability or to facilitate that level of redistributionism when they're talking about giving $5 million to every single black individual in San Francisco. Well, first of all, I can tell you from people that I talk to and the people that I move with in my political circles is that if this becomes a thing on a national basis, you're going to see millions upon millions upon millions of us who will never ever pay taxes again, and we will revolt, and it will be the beginning of a civil war, not a racial war, not because we have ought against black people, not because we don't want to see um, uh, black people have as much uh, equality and as much opportunity as anybody else in this country, not at 
all and not because we don't decry what um, slavery was over the millennia prior to even the, the foundation of the United States of America. Because slavery is not a racial thing. It never has been a racial thing. It is not a racial thing. We still have more slaves on this planet right now than at any other time in history. And slavery exists on this planet irrespective of race. Whites have owned whites. Blacks have owned uh, blacks. Um, And and yellow people have owned black people. and Black people have owned yellow people. pick, Pick your color and they've been owned by every other color on the planet for thousands of years. It's a horrific um, regime. It's a horrific part of the human uh, experience, but it is the reality of what's happened. But when we start trying to divide out and say, you get to keep this much of your labor, this much of your earnings, this much of your property, because of you're mostly white, and therefore, we're going to give half of it or 75% of it to people who are mostly black. How are we going to administrate this, Dan, without an absolute revolution in this country? When they start doing this and people start lining up and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm, you know, I'm 25% this or I'm, 20, I'm 75% this. I, yeah, I know that I look uh, you know, white is a driven snow, but I, you know, I'm fifty uh, percent um, uh, Native American. What 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 are they going to do at that point? And and what is the what is the criteria for receiving that just because of a certain tint of your skin? Because it's very likely. In fact, it's more likely than not that none of your ancestors were held in slavery, slave, so held as slaves, and it's highly likely that you could be a black person and your descendants held slaves themselves. So how, how are we going to administrate such a vile program when we have the, the single uh, most significant, greatest melting pot that's ever been on the planet Earth? And the reason why we have that melting pot is we are the least racist country country that has ever existed on the planet. It's hard to believe. A lot of people will not believe that considering our history of slavery. But the reality is, is look at all of the brown and black people still pouring across our borders every single year uh, or apply, whether they're applying um, legally or coming across illegally, they want to come here because they know that they have better opportunity for themselves and for their families here than anywhere else on this planet. And that exists regardless of how embarrassing our nation is right now on the world stage. I can't get past this one. What is expected when Black Lives Matter started this? They're the ones that started it after the George Floyd incident up in Minneapolis. They came up with the numbers, nationwide numbers. You know, there's no math that justified it, but basically what it boils down to is they want people that have never owned slaves to pay reparations to people that never were slaves. Now, I can't put that together uh, together and make it sound reasonable. Peter Lloyd, out in California, longtime friend, listener of this show, he sent a really interesting uh, text just a couple of minutes ago. Listen to what he said. This is about reparations. 
when the government robs Peter to pay Paul. Paul is always a willing participant. Think about that. That's right. Government robs Peter to pay Paul. That's right. Paul, hey, I'm all in for that. I really like it. Steve Baker, you don't know how much you mean to this show. We're glad to have you every Tuesday. You are a busy man. For those of you that don't know it, he's a professional musician. He's a photojournalist. He's a investigative journalist. He does all of those things. And when he has spare time, he comes by to chat with you and I. And Steve, I thank you for that. You're a good friend. You're a great patriot. We respect you a lot, and we're glad that you join us every week. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate it. And be safe over there. Uh, I know it's uh, not a third world country, but it is Israel. <laughs> so keep your head <laughs> hey, on the swivel. In the break, I told Steve what was going on. Now, my wife is downstairs. I'm up here. We don't have electricity. The elevators don't work. She can't get in the door if she could get up here. But I had this thought. They haven't had any terrorist attacks in Israel lately. <laughs> what happens if I go downstairs and they're sitting there waiting for me? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you, Steve. We will they talk. Heard. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say they heard you were in town, Dan. <laughs> so they picked today, huh? <laughs> That's right. All right, buddy. Thanks and have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you. And maybe next Tuesday we'll be uh, in similar zip codes so we won't have that delay there. Folks, I want to thank you for being here. I tell you that all the time, but I really want you to know I really care. I do not take your being here for granted, ever, and I never will. We're going to take our final break, and when we come back, I want to tell you there's somebody that's under investigation. Ooh in the Biden administration. Now, wait a minute. Joe Biden's the president of the United States. Uh, there's nobody bad in his administration. Well, I didn't say they're bad. I'm just saying under investigation. Who might that be? Think about happenings over the last few months. Who might that be? You'll find out right after this at TNN Live. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Hi, Tom Bodette. 
Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. Wait a minute. What happened? Silence. That is the worst thing that happens in any kind of broadcasting. Ah, somebody uh, missed a commercial. So somebody is going to get a redo on that. Anyway, back to business. I told you going into the break, somebody in the Biden administration is under investigation for wrongdoing. Who might that be? How about the Department of Transportation Inspector General? Who would he investigate? Well, how about Transportation Secretary Peter Puttigieg? And they're investigating him not for the silly things that he didn't do, regarding the derailed train and the aftermath of that down in Ohio, East Palestine, they're talking about they're going to audit and do evaluations because Pete Buttigieg is using a bunch of private planes and he's piling up a bunch of hours. Why the heck would he be doing that? On December 16th, citing news reports about Buttigieg's travel on government air track. You try to say that, Buttigieg's. (laughs) Government uh, aircraft. Senator Marco Rubio brought it to everybody's attention. He requested that we determine whether the Secretary's use of government aircraft for domestic and international travel complies with all the applicable federal regulations and Department of Transportation policies and procedures. Accordingly, we are told, the Inspector General said, we will conduct an audit to determine whether the Office of Secretary compiled, complied with federal regulations, policy, and procedures regarding executive travel on DOT aircraft. Now, let me pause here and tell you, I happen to know what DOT aircraft is. For those of you that ever know anything about aviation, you've ever done any private flying or you've ever heard anything about private flying, um, the Rolls-Royce of private flying is a Gulfstream. Now, there are different Gulfstream models, but there's one model of a Gulfstream private corporate jet that our federal government bought a bunch of and they use. And it's a 300 And for just every once in a while when somebody in the DOT has to go overseas very quickly, there's the 600. The cheap one of those cost about 50 million. The expensive one of those cost about 75 million. Now, to make it palatable to the American people, these jets that are bought, and there are other jets that are... uh, government buys for the purpose of government entities to uh, be able to be accessed by members of whatever the administration is, the secretaries of those various departments, 
And so they don't want people to see them flying in, you know, on a Gulfstream jet, you know, the pretty white with uh, all of the nice logos on the side. That That's just not the American way. So they sell these to our military, and our military operates them. And they get paint jobs to make them look like they're a dull jet, okay? So Pete, I was told by somebody who is on the inside and knows these kinds of things, Pete uses the big one, the 650. And I can't even imagine. I used to know the exact prices for the various jet lines for fuel per mile. But the last time I was involved in a jet like that, a, a, a private jet flight on the smallest private jet that is made, commercial jet that is made, from Shreveport, Louisiana to Sacramento, California and back was $18,000 eight years ago. Just the increase of private jet fuel right now, a gallon is $15. A gallon then was $4. You do the math. Just imagine what it cost Pete Buttigieg to, to fly in that jet from Washington, D.C. to California. I'm just saying. I don't know if any of it was for personal use. Typically, when that happens, and it happens often, they keep up with what percentage was business, American business, and what is personal, and the person that's flying reimburses the government for that. But they don't do that until something like this happens. Somebody makes a big deal out of it, and then they're going to try to make it look good. Uh, and they'll go investigate and find out if, you know, they owe the government some money. What else is going on? Between 5 million, now this story, I want you to listen very closely to this. This one will blow your mind. It's far worse than anything else you've heard in the last few days. Facts come out. Between 5 million and 14 million people are going to likely lose Medicaid coverage when COVID public health emergency ends April 1st. That's according to the Kaiser Family Foundation. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Family's First Coronavirus Response Act, that is an actual government act. It was passed in 2020. It blocks states from disenrolling people from Medicaid until the end of the month in which the public health emergency was ended. That would be through April 30th. The continuous coverage provision will expire March 31st. States typically check their recipients in their states, their Medicaid eligibility, and remove them if they acquire health insurance through an employer or begin making too much money to qualify for the program. Medicaid recipients often have temporary gaps in their coverage. Why? Because of temporary ineligibility, meaning they have to re-enroll after being disenrolled in a process known, it's called in the industry, the Medicaid industry, and it is an industry, it's called CHURN, C-H-U-R-N. The continuous coverage provision drastically reduced CHURN by blocking disenrollment. 
it's estimated that 5 to 13% of Medicaid recipients, or 5 to 14 million people, will be disenrolled during the 12-month unwinding period once states are allowed to check recipients' eligibility again. And the Department of Health and Human Services estimated that as many as 15 million people will be disenrolled. Each state will disenroll Medicaid recipients at a different pace, but Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Idaho, Iowa, New Hampshire, Ohio, Oklahoma, and West Virginia are going to move to purge ineligible recipients in April. There are about 84 million people currently on Medicaid. That's up about 20 million since January. Yeah, that's the month Joe Biden went in office. These numbers are according to the Associated Press. So what does this mean to you? What does it mean to you? There's another story that comes out. It's not related to Medicaid, but came out overnight. It's about over a million people, a million voters in Los Angeles. They were purged from voter rolls. And the reason they were purged from voter rolls is they don't live there or they're dead. Now, the law says that every voting cycle in each state, the law says they must, the election division of state governments, must, with with consideration of all things, they must take action to prove that everybody that gets to vote is eligible to vote. L.A. hadn't done it in years, many, many, many years. So let me ask you this. What do you think, (laughs) how many of those one million people voted in the 2022 election? (laughs) We'll never know. But think about that. Just think about that. You know how close that race was from state to state. There were hardly any states where there was a landslide either way. And the the ones that were there were landslides, were red states. I'm just saying that compares to the lunacy of what they're talking about now. You know why the story was written? To make everybody feel sorry for people on Medicaid. Don't think for a second there will be people on April the 1st that can't get medical care because of the money they make. This is the United States of America. There is nobody that is going to do without health care. Do you know it's a law nationwide? If you have something that you need to go to the emergency room for, you can go and the emergency room cannot make you leave. You're going to get the health care that you need. There are places in every city, not every city, but in every state, all the big cities, maybe some of the middle-sized cities that have government programs that are set up to help these people in the interim times that you just heard about. Why this is not yet resolved, do you know why? Think about it for a second. What's pending out there in government right now? What's one of the big things that are on everybody's conversation? What's causing inflation? 
to continue to go up and down. It's not coming down. Why? Because the markets in America are waiting to see what happens regarding our borrowing as a nation. That debt limit increase is pending very, very soon. And so what would stop it from happening? I don't think it's going to stop. I don't think the Republicans that are in power are going to stop by not getting legislation passed with the Democrats in both houses of Congress before the debt limit expires, the current one. So what does that mean, Dan? Guess what? Democrats won't negotiate. They won't negotiate. They have a laundry list of things that they want to put on a bill that would be palatable to everybody in the nation, including all the Republicans, if it was just a debt limit increase. But no, 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 no. They want to pay for cats to get baths on the government dole. I'm I'm exaggerating. But they want more and more and more money. That's all this is about. But they put this story out. Poor people. You didn't hear it in that particular story. But they roll these stories out. They do this purposely. They time it purposely because they want everybody to think. The question many of you asked when I told you this, you said, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We elected members of the House. We elected members of the Senate to get together and negotiate and come to conclusions, not conclusions that are are passed because somebody on the other side of the aisle is holding a gun to your head? No, 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 no. Passed because the things that you want to get passed as a government official are not to put money in the pockets of your campaign donators. It's not for that. It's not to pay somebody with a political favor. It's to do what's best for the American people and for the United States of America itself. And what is that? we got to pay our bills, but we've got to stop the crazing spending so we don't have to come back here and argue over and over and over again. We're going to lose everything if the opposition doesn't say, hey, okay, we'll cave. We'll cave. There's another big ha-ha that's out there right now. States like Kansas and Texas and Ohio and Nebraska are prioritizing legislation to stop men from competing in women's sports. And this bill that's pending, it, it goes all the way from K through 12 in public school districts, as well as college athletics prohibiting students from joining sports teams on the basis of gender identity rather than biological sex. It's ensuring that the athletes that are competing are on the same level playing field with other athletes of the same sex. That's according to Jessica Anderson, Heritage Action Executive Director. Several red states are joining this push to ban men from competing on the same sports team as women in both K-12 school districts and college athletics. 
why are we even having this conversation? There's not a person on this planet that has any breath of a brain that can say they honestly think it's okay for competition for men to compete against women on a level playing field. You can't do it. And I'm not. I'm not a sexist. My wife is one of the smartest people I know. She's a workaholic. She does things, many, many, many things, multiple times better. If I even could do them, multiple times better than I could do them. Most men are not sexist. That's not what this is about. What it's about is opening up your eyes and understanding and trying to put your thumb on the lever just to advantage whatever you want it to advantage. Whoever came up with this concept of transgender men being able to play, and I may even get it backwards, maybe it's a transgender woman trying to play in men. No, whatever. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The other day, I don't have the story in front of me, but last week there was a big deal at some high school where a man walked butt naked through a locker room in front of a bunch of girls. Now you tell me that's okay. The reason he could do it at that school was because he self-identifies as a woman. And the Scott Peterson, his daughter up in Virginia, she was raped in a girl's bathroom by a guy that self-identifies as a woman wears a skirt. Well, you know, he's a tra- he identifies as transgender. He got kicked out of the school. He went to another school, and guess what he did? The same thing. Our kids did not go to a private school. Our grandkids, all of them, went to the same school. We have three of them still in that school. Actually, four. We have twin daughter, uh, granddaughters that are going into their. They're going in their senior year. Oh my gosh! I didn't even realize that. And then they have a cousin that's their same age, so that's three. And then we have one that's in middle school. Every one of them entered a Christian school today. If our kids, if we went through it and we were in this environment today, our kids would go. To, public, uh, to private school. They went to public school, got great educations, and none of this craziness was there then. If it was there then, we never heard about it, and believe me, something this controversial, we would have heard about. Whatever you do, take a moment. Now, listen, moms and dads, we've got to take control of this. We've got to fix this. This is the boon of creation. Why would God create this in people? God I serve would never do this. God of the Bible would never do this. What other God would? There is no other God. (laughs) This is the nuttiest thing I've ever heard of. But the American people, the American people are behind this. They see it now. This is not just a fad. This is something that, if it stands, will be used to alter history. 
And the American people are going to stand up and not let it happen. Something slapped me in the face. I just don't know if I want to share this today, but I really need to share it with you. Would you give me a minute to collect my thoughts? Here's what I want to do. I want you to listen to our buddies. We use Sky News reports here quite often. It's because these people, they're on the same level and playing field as conservatives in our nation are. Sky News. Don't forget that. Here's what they have today about what's happening here regarding gender identity. Well, let, let me pick up on that, Rita, because we all, we do like to have good news on this show. We do like to talk about oh, yeah. what people yes. do push back. And we're seeing in America a couple of instances this week. One was in Kansas, where they have passed a bill to define a woman as someone who is born female. So to answer Alex Antics and others' question, what is a woman? Well, in Kansas, they've come out and given it a definition. And surprise, surprise, it is someone who is born a female. Similarly, we have in Tennessee, Rita, mm. this week, we've had uh, legislation brought in to prevent uh, that, that kind of uh, transgender hormonal surgery, etc., etc., uh, being used against minors or being used to transition minors in Tennessee. So two instances where because of the outrage of parents predominantly and grandparents speaking up, you get changes happening. That has to happen but here in Australia. Yep. Not only that, in Texas, in Texas, the yep. University of Texas system has put a pause on all of its diversity, equity, and inclusion DEI programs because wow. of legislation passed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott Fantastic. in Texas. Again, this shows that you can, if you want to, pass legislation, use all of the levers of government control and bureaucracy and legislation that the left are absolutely expert at and use them to undo, to at least start to undo some of this. And this the is models if, 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 are if, out there. Yeah, if Dominic Perrottet wants to win this forthcoming election in New South Wales, he needs to do precisely that, start standing up and saying, we will stop the madness, the leftist madness that's going on through bureaucracies and corporations and schools. He's got to stop it if he wants I to win the election. I guarantee he won't. Well, I'm just telling, giving him the won't. benefit of the advice. I'm sure he's watching the show. Peter Dutton, same thing. Here's your ticket. Start fighting against this stuff if you want to win. But let's, we, we had good news, but I'm, you know, we've got to go back to the bad news. And the reason this is so bad, wait for this, his Marxism literally being injected straight into the medical profession, young doctors being, instead of reciting the Hippocratic Oath, this is in, a, in, in America, they are being forced to recite this Marxist garbage. Have a listen, this is real. We enter the profession of medicine with appreciation for the opportunity to build on the scientific and humanistic achievements of the past. We also recognize the acts and systems of oppression affected in the name of medicine. We take this oath of service to begin building a future grounded in truth, restoration, and equity. I vow to use this knowledge to uplift my patients and disrupt the injustices that harm them as I forge the future of medicine. I promise to self-reflect diligently, to confront unconscious prejudices, and to develop the skills, knowledge, and character necessary to engender an inclusive, equitable field of medicine. 
They're not marching through the institutions. They own the institutions. Mm. They're occupying them, and they are and they are taking every individual down with them. Those are kids. Those are students who have graduated to be doctors, and now they they're making an oath of Marxist propaganda, Rita. You're absolutely 100% right. The march through the institutions is complete. They're in the private sector, they're in the public sector. It's not just academia anymore. This is what happens when one side doesn't fight, when it thinks it's above the culture wars, where it thinks it can just focus on super policy and economics and, and, and ignore the ideological fight. These are consequential issues. This is about our culture, our values as a country, and if Conservatives don't start getting involved, there won't be much left to conserve. And the thoughts of what those doctors will be like is terrifying. Sorry about that. Microphone issues in the dark, remember? <laughs> we lost electricity, uh, at least everything but our our uh, equipment here in the studio because we have backup, but the lights still aren't on. Oh, well. I'm going to finish with this one story. I decided to talk to you about it. When Chessie Prout sued the St. Paul School in New Hampshire for negligence, after she was sexually assaulted in her freshman year. Her attorneys made a simple request that as a minor facing death threats from fellow students and alumni, she remain anonymous during the course of the lawsuit. The attorney representing the $62,000 a year boarding school, Michael Delaney, Michael Delaney, opposed that motion and overnight, the 15-year-old Prout became a public figure. You can imagine. Now, here we are. We find ourselves five years after the Prout settled with the school. President Joe Biden, listen to this. Our president wants to make Delaney, Michael Delaney, the attorney that wanted this girl's name released. President Biden has nominated him as a federal judge. And his nomination to the First Circuit Court of Appeals has put Democrats in a pretty awkward spot. They're caught between support for one of their own party's judicial nominees and support for survivors of sexual assault. Here's what this boils down to, folks. This sex thing, this gender thing, this decisions that have everything to do with sex, this particular case. Why are we even talking about this? Now listen closely. I'm going to tell you why we are. Because this administration and previous administrations, it's not just today, but previously we've seen a slide, a slide down the road towards, oh, I don't know, anything goes. And we're almost there if we're not there. Can you, in your right mind, imagine one of your daughters, if you have a 15-year-old daughter, and just think about her being assaulted at her school sexually. Didn't say what the assault was, and quite honestly, it doesn't matter. Sexual assault is assault, and it's evil, and it shouldn't be allowed. 
But this guy, who now is nominated to be a federal judge in the United States of America, he's the one that wanted the girl's name to be released to the public. Why do you think you would want that? Think it through. Why would an attorney, attorney for the school, her parents were suing the school, the attorney for the school wanted her name to be made public? I don't know why, but I think that he had a purpose, and his purpose was to denigrate the victims of horrible crimes and so vindicate them and threaten them with actions that were certainly, we don't know what happened, but I guarantee you she had death threats before this was even known. People there that knew it was happening, they were threatening her. If you go public, here's what's going to happen to you. With that background, what man in his right mind would demand that that girl's identity be revealed. He knew what she was going to face. Talk about sexist. He knew that she had been sexually assaulted by this guy. And he, because everybody at that school, by the way, the ones who were writing the $60,000 checks, they wanted somehow to make sure she paid the price. Wow. Well, here we are at the end of the show. I still can't see, but we had a great show today. Thank you for being here. We are going, I promise you, tomorrow I I gave our guide what for today. He promised me he would have me back at the hotel at 4 o'clock. It, it was because of traffic, but I told him, if, if I can't come with the crowd, let me know, and I'll Uber and get through there quicker. I should have done that. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Whatever it takes, I'll see you tomorrow. And... Why don't you share this show with your friends? Tell them about what's going on at Truth News Network and what TNN Live is all about. A lot of people are telling us that. Yesterday's show downloads, maybe it was because we got on got on the air even later and a lot of people missed it, but the downloads were almost double what we've ever had the highest number. And we're not going to have that problem tomorrow. I promise. And I'm promising with a hand in the air, but I'm saying, I hope I can fulfill that promise. But anyway, this is a great week. We're in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Israel. I wish you were here. And we're going to be back with you tomorrow morning. One of the greatest songs ever. Listen to the words. This has become an altar call song. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Even out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're hard one. I know that you got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you can't hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy? She'll beat you if she's able You know the queen of hearts is always your best bet Now it seems to me some fine things 
have been laid upon your table, but you only want the ones that you can't get. Desperado, oh, you ain't getting no younger. You're painting your hunger, you're driving you home, and freedom. Talking, your prison is walking through this world all alone. Don't your feet get cold in the winter time? Sky won't snow and the sun won't shine. It's hard to tell the nighttime from the day. Before it's too late.